hop. My family is here. My wife, Katie, my boys, Asher, Carter, Shepard, and Parker. It's harder to do it that way. I don't know if you've ever done that. No, it's, it's a challenge. I usually just call them all by the same name anyway, you know, whichever name comes to my mind first. But uh, we're so thankful to be here, and uh, we're so thankful to be at the Wilds. Uh, it is a wonderful, fun, exciting ministry. If you've never been there, we want you to come and visit sometime. Just come and visit us. Uh, so it is a beautiful campsite. We have uh, right now a little bit of snow on the ground, not much more than you guys here, but uh, it is a beautiful place where we can have, um, uh, you know, the, the colors, they, they pop like crazy, tons of uh, beautiful sights around the campsite. This is in the fall, you know, and the leaves are just starting to change. Um, but we love serving people. And uh, if you've ever read our mission statement, we use Christian camping as a way to minister to people. We share the truth of God with the love of God so that lives can be changed to the glory of God. And, and I noticed this even when I was young. I went to a Christian camp. I grew up going to camp as a, as a young person, as a, even a small child. I think the first time I ever went was I was four years old. I went for a family camp. And, and God started changing my life. I, re I remember responding in messages as a little kid when God was starting to work in my heart. And, and God started using it as I grew up and I went through junior high. I started, you know, taking the bus up to camp every time we'd go. And, and our youth group would go together and it was, it was, it was fun. And, um, and then even as I graduated from high school, I said, I can't get away from camp. So I started working at camp. And maybe some of you guys are like to that age, you're like too old for camp. Well, come and work for us, okay? We would love to have uh, you on staff as well. And then God just couldn't get me, keep me away from camp. I just continued doing camp even till now. Um, and so it's a wonderful ministry. And, and even to see what we... what. The wild stands for, if you, if you were to walk on our campsite, we hope that each of these core values would come through, that we stay faithful to the Bible, so we serve the local church, that's you. Rand Hummel, you've probably met him if, if you've ever, uh, if he's been to the church here, I'm sure, but he is big on, on how we are not the local church, but we want to support the local church. Walk into my office with Rand's office there too, and you'll see on the wall a picture of a sheepdog and a shepherd, and a herd of sheep. And, and the shepherd and the sheep, that's you guys, and the pastor, the shepherd of the sheep. But we are like the sheep dogs that come behind, and we kind of nip at the heels of the sheep, and we push them back to the shepherd. And we say, stay faithful in the church, stay faithful here, and, and, and they want to keep an eye on you, and take care of you, and protect you. and They're going to feed you, and, and, and stay faithful in that flock. That's what we want to do, stay faithful to the local church. And then we want to create this refreshing enjoyment of life in Christ. Have you ever been around a Christian who's just like, they sing the songs and like, Jesus loves me, yes I know. We want to show that life in Christ is full of joy. And it, it really is refreshing to be around other Christians like that. And then there's a Christ-like uh, servanthood that we see even among our staff, but we try to model this. And, and, and it's, it is so fun to see our staff serve in some awesome ways. And then uh, this commitment to excellence and then creating an environment that produces this or it, it leads towards spiritual growth. 
We love it. And uh, if you've never been, we do have some brochures in the back, and you could take a look at some of the camps that we have. Uh, for the summer, we're doing a Western adventure theme, so grab one of the Western adventure brochures, and you can see the different weeks of camp. Um, so we have a handful of different speakers you could take a look here, and then uh, our junior camp, CIT, uh, sign up online. We have all the registration open for that, but also fall camps. If you're an adult, we have fall camps, retreats, couples conferences, and um, uh, single, uh, we have the men and boys, uh, ladies and girls, all kinds of different um, options for you there. But we want you just to be uh, around other believers and experience the, the benefits of getting away from the busyness of life, getting out into the wild. That's why we call it the wilds, getting into that wilderness place so you can grow closer to the Lord. Well, if you've never been there, we want to take you on a quick little trip, okay? We're going to watch a little video, and I want you to just experience a little bit about the wilds. Savior, Jesus Christ, didn't save you just so you could get off to a good start. Yeah, he saved you to live life to the full and to compete as an athlete, as a runner, as a boxer, and to do it really, really well all the way until Jesus Christ calls you home. 
You may not be able to trust someone with a lot of power in your life. You may not be able to trust your peers. You may not be able to trust the authorities at school. Why? Because you're not ultimately sure whether they want your best, whether they're acting on your best. But there is one person you can be sure he, was, he is always acting for your best, and his name is Jesus Christ. Yes, you can trust him. you can do this you can be as close to God as you want to be draw near to God he will draw near to you this is a promise and God never breaks a promise Jesus is saying this what's on the throne of your heart Peter and what's on the throne of your heart who or what is Jesus competing with tonight teenager Take up the belt of truth. How do you find the truth? Read the Bible. Get into this book and just start reading it and learning it so that you can know the truth. Spiritual warfare is not a chessboard where Jesus and the devil are constantly trying to outmaneuver each other. Jesus and the devil are not on the same playing field. Jesus already won. If the Bible really is true, if we can trust this, then we, you, me, have a responsibility to find out what it says about our relationship to God. Do you remember what John says in 1 John 4? That he not only loves you, but he himself is love. God's love is as big as he is, and he loves you. our staff from last summer and uh, we're so thankful for um, everyone who does serve and uh, we're still looking for just a few guy counselors if you know of any guy counselors and even a nurse for the summer um, if you know of anyone like that who wants to serve with us uh, let us know and uh, we'd love to be able to uh, get them plugged in well at this time we're going to dismiss the children any uh, anyone who's in the children's church age group you guys can be dismissed and uh, you'll have your own service out there and the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. How many of you are, anyone in here a fisherman? I'm curious, any fishermen in the room? Okay, a few people. I, I, I've been fishing before. I would never call myself a fisherman. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are plenty of uh, different people who love fishing way more than I do. I... I had a fishing pole at one time. I don't think I could ever find it now. But I, I grew up, you know, and I always had um, some connection with fishing. And um, and as I as I started fishing a little bit, it was I liked fishing best when it was easy. You could call me a fair weather fisherman. <laughs> um, when when someone would literally put the pole in my hand with the lure already on it or the bait already on it, and all you say, they say is drop it right here, <laughs> and that's when I could catch really good fish, you know, and pull them in. And I thought, oh, this is fun. But I have friends who you could say they're they're like die hard fishermen. They go out rain or shine 
hot or cold, they go out there, and they could be sitting in the middle of a lake, mosquitoes biting them and everything. They're getting sunburnt, and they love it. You know anyone like that? <laughs> I, I've had friends that go um, fly fishing, and they got the, the you know, the coveralls that go all the way up, and they're, they're out there in the freezing cold, and they're fishing, and, and they love it. There's some people who just, they love fishing, and um, I, I, I admire them, and, and it's pretty cool how they can catch some pretty amazing fish. I saw a really, just almost disturbing video of someone fishing the other day. They were in this ice fishing, you know, the ice fishing hut, and the ice was like crystal clear. I, I have, I've never been ice fishing, but it looks really scary. <laughs> and they, they, you could see this humongous fish underneath the water, and it's flapping around, and it comes in the, in the, in the little hut there, and it's, it waters all over the place. And it looked like they could have just fallen through at any moment. There are people that love fishing. But then there's another level of fishing that you could say is a professional who would be a, a professional fisherman. They do it for a living. Now, if you Google professional fishing, you might see like the really fancy boats, the guys with the jerseys, you know, they got TV cameras on them and ESPN5 or whatever it is. You know, they're out there and they're, they're doing it more for entertainment, I think, <laughs> a competition. But they're the professional fishermen that are the true they're the, the gruff guys that go out, even the, 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 the coast of New England. You see a lot of these fishing boats. We visited some of these towns where you go up and, and you're, you're at a seafood restaurant, but right next to it, all the fishing boats come in and you get the whiff. You know what I'm talking about? The smell that they, they bring in with them. And it, it, it smells bad. They smell bad. But these guys are muscular, they're strong, they're, they know what they're doing. And if they're good, they can bring in a ton of fish. Well, Jesus encounters some of these kinds of fishermen. And, and he, he was right alongside of them. He wasn't afraid of them. He actually connected with them. And, and in this passage in Matthew 4, he goes out onto this shore and he finds these fishermen. They were fishing with nets. They, were, they had boats. They were, they were working in this area. And, and there were a couple other passages, a couple other times in the other Gospels where you see Jesus encountering these fishermen. One of them, he actually goes out in the boat with Peter. And he, he tells him, cast your nets and, and, and throw them back down. He says, I haven't caught anything all day. It's, it, it's worthless. And Jesus... He shows them that he's in charge of those fish. He's in charge of all the waters. And he causes them to catch a whole load of fish, a boatload, to f almost so that the boat would sink. And, and he was able to do this and connect with these fishermen. And there was this response that Jesus saw whenever he went from these, these coasts, whenever he went to the cities, he was in the villages, and he was all over the place. He saw a response from each of these people. He saw some that were fascinated by him, and they just wanted to see more and experience more of what Jesus was doing. And then he saw some that would actually go and follow him. But then there were a few that he would call specifically to be fishers of men. And it was a shocking thing probably for them to hear, fishers of men, what is this even talking about? And, and all of these different people that he encountered, he saw different responses. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at Matthew 4 and examine how 
our response might look to Jesus as well. Follow along. Let's read Matthew 4, looking in verse 17. It says, at that time, Jesus, he began to preach, and he was saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, and they followed him. Verse 21, going on from thence, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. They were in a ship with Zebedee their father. They were mending their nets, and he called to them. And they immediately left the ship and their father, and they followed him. And Jesus, he went about all Galilee, he was teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic, those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for how we see in this passage how Jesus encountered people. He went to the people. He was right in the middle of these relationships. He got to know people. And, and people had this opportunity to respond. They were given signs. They were given miracles. They were given a message. And they were asked to respond. Lord, here we are. We can't see Jesus face to face yet. But we can behold the word. We've been given this, this book that tells us all about him and how to have a relationship with him. And now, and now we have this opportunity to respond as well. Help us now to respond in repentance and faith. Help us to trust. Help us to not just be fascinated. Help us to follow. Be fishers of men like Jesus. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first group of people that you see are these ones who are fascinated by Jesus. In verse 23 to 25, Jesus, he, he was going throughout all these areas. He was, he was in Galilee teaching in their synagogues. And he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Some people were fascinated by Jesus. Why were they so fascinated? You could say they were fascinated by his message. They were amazed. He was, he was becoming famous. Um, he, he was, he, his popularity was growing in the area. People were getting to know him. And so he was going all throughout this area. And people were, were starting to get to know him because of this message that he was preaching. He was teaching in the synagogues, it says, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That, those two things, teaching and preaching. You might hear them kind of put together. A teacher, preacher, or maybe you have a, a, 
a class where you hear a teacher teach even with um, a, a textbook or an outline. It, it's a very, almost a didactic, very clear pr- um, process of teaching. I, I always loved whenever um, going through uh, uh, my high school years, my college years, the, the teachers that would, they would be passionate about what they would teach, but they taught in a very clear way. And you could follow along, you know what I mean? You could follow along, you knew where they were going, and by the end you said, oh, it makes sense. You could say that Jesus was teaching in a way, he was taking the Old Testament, the prophets, and he was, he was taking all of these prophecies and he was making them clear for people. He was teaching and explaining the scriptures and ultimately how they all pointed to him. He was teaching. And when you hear a good teacher, it, it, it hits you like in your brain so it makes sense. The lights come on and it makes sense. And that's a wonderful thing. But there's also something else because you can learn all about Jesus. And there are lots of people who know a lot about Jesus. Even the History Channel talks about Jesus. But there's a difference between the head and the heart because now you got this teaching that can reach the heart and actually change someone's direction in life. And that's what Jesus did with his preaching. He preached in such a way where they would want to do what he said to do. They would want to follow him. So they were, they were following his preaching. And as Jesus was preaching to them, he was preaching a message of salvation. How they could be rescued from their sins. They could, what did it say in verse 17? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, he was saying, turn from this lifestyle, turn from your sin, and trust in the gospel. Trust in this gospel of the kingdom. That's how you could be saved. And I hope that you've heard that teaching, that gospel message, and you've turned and you've trusted in Jesus as well. I hope that's true of you. If you haven't trusted in Christ yet, then as you learn about him even today, hopefully you can turn from your sins and trust in Jesus. So he was famous and he started preaching this message all over and people were amazed, not just at the message itself. I I, I saw them uh, in various passages amazed at, at the authority that he taught with. Even as a young child, remember Jesus was in the temple and he was teaching and they were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching as one with authority. Jesus taught with authority, not just because he knew the the right things to say, but because he is God. He was teaching as divine authority. So he was teaching and preaching. He was famous for his message. He was also famous for his miracles. A lot of times when you think of um, Jesus' miracles, it would be kind of fun to watch, in my opinion. In verse 23, it goes on to talk about he was um, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And it says in verse 24, his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick people which were taken with diverse diseases and torments. Those which were possessed by devils, those which were lunatic and the palsy. What is this saying? All these different things that are listed here. Basically, Jesus was doing miracles that showed, that, that revealed his power. 
And, and you could categorize these if you want to, try to say, well, he was casting out demons. He had power over the spiritual realm. People that were possessed by demons and that were affecting their spiritual nature and, and causing them to, to, to do things that were against the nature, he was able to cast those things out. He had power over the spiritual realm. He had power over the, the, the physical realm. He was, he was healing sick people. I mean, think about how even doctors, they, they struggle to, to find cures for certain diseases. And, and they're working on vaccines and all these different medical procedures. And they try to heal the body. Well, Jesus had this power without medicine and without all these things to heal people. He could do it with a word. He could do it with a touch. He could heal people that were blind, cause them to see. People that couldn't walk, he could make them walk. He was healing people from their physical problems. But he could also heal people with mental problems too. And, and uh, it calls them lunatics here. I think uh, it probably had something else, uh, maybe epileptics, people that had other issues in their body. But he could heal people from their from their spiritual nature to their mind to their body. He could heal every part of it. And here's Jesus. Amazing people becoming even famous for those miracles. But Jesus was also famous among those multitudes. His fame was spreading through Galilee. An area of, of three million people or so at that time. Decapolis, this, this area of ten cities. Deca, uh, that, that prefix for ten. Ten different cities east of the Jordan. And then Jerusalem, from where he was, Jerusalem was far away. It was down south. And then, and then Judea, another area that was far away from, his, from where he was. Transjordan, this area east of the Jordan. All of these areas is basically just saying he was known all over the place. Have you ever thought about your circle of influence? Like where, where do people know you? Are you known around East Hartford or West Hartford here? <laughs> do people know you? Have, you? have you ever walked into a restaurant and someone calls you by name? Hey, how are you doing, Jim? We were in a restaurant the other day and this, the, the lady was taking the order. She knew everyone's name. You could say they were they were popular, but but I think basically she was just friendly. Sometimes we walk into places, people have no clue who we are. You could look at your social media following, and you know how many people you you how many friends you have on Facebook, right? <laughs> it used to be a thing where you could say, "Oh, I have one thousand friends. I have more than you." <laughs> Some people look at that. Or, or maybe you say, I, "I know people all over the world. I've visited so many places." Well, basically, Jesus was famous all over the known world at this time. He was, he was becoming famous all over. Very popular. Have you, have you met someone who's a famous person? How many of you have ever met someone who's, who's famous? You'd say, you know, they're like a president or a sports uh, star, someone like that, a politician. Um, I remember times standing in line and even... I want to say, um, when I was in school, George Bush came and visited um, the, the college where we were. And I was able to, to like kind of see him and be up close. And it, it, it felt really cool to be around someone so famous. 
And there, there are times when you meet famous people, um, even uh, people, Instagram influencers, they call them. I was, we were at a little go-kart park. And uh, I was with a youth, our youth group at the time, and we were riding these go-karts, and all of a sudden, someone said, oh, that's so-and-so. I didn't even know who they were. They were like, oh, they're like on Instagram. They're like, they're like totally popular. And, you know, you can become popular just on social media nowadays, and, and people have millions of followers, and they just want to be uh, around these people. Um, my kids like watching Dude Perfect. You know who they are. They do the trick shots and stuff like that off of buildings and crazy wacky stuff. And, um, and they have these, these shows apparently where you can go and watch them in person and they do crazy things together. Um, there, there's, this, there's this following that they have. They've become famous in their circles. Mark Rober, these guys who do science you know, experiments online and, and, and kids want their autographs, Right? And they think it's the coolest thing ever. I walked into pastor's office, and you know what I saw on the wall? He had a, he had a, a little picture. He showed me all the golf pictures and, and, and famous people and signatures. And he's like, I got, I got to meet this guy. It's cool. It, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to meet someone who's famous. And, and you almost you look up to those people because they're so good at what they do. And here's Jesus. He's famous. People are watching him and they want to be like him. They're wanting to learn from him. They're wanting to hear his message. Another one I heard just recently, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> you know, this guy who's doing these, um, he's, he's teaching a message. What's interesting is he does these, these financial talks and he has these baby steps that he teaches people. And, and there are people who will do exactly what he says. And they follow him like fanatics. You know what I'm talking about? They will do everything he says because they believe in it. And here's Jesus, and he's traveling around, and he's doing these miracles, and people are starting to follow him. He's not just famous, but he has a following of people. Some were actually followers of Jesus, not just to one miracle, not just one area, but they would go with him to different areas. And in these areas around Judea and Jordan and Galilee and Decapolis, all of these, these places that he would go, people would go maybe to see the miracles, Maybe to hear the message, but ultimately they wanted to do what Jesus said because they believed in him. You see different levels of the following, though. It's not just following and copycatting whatever they do. Um, it is buying into it. It's, it's saying, I believe this. Some wanted to learn more about Jesus, and I'm sure that there were some people who might not have had the best intentions, though. Okay? Here Jesus is feeding thousands of people in one sitting. 4,000 men, not counting all the women, and the, another time of 5,000. There's just tons of people in this huge crowd, and he fed them all with a tiny little lunch, basically. Amazing miracles. Don't you think it would be fun just to go and see that? Almost as an entertainment thing. 
Here's Jesus who's, who's doing these miracles and people are starting to follow him, maybe sometimes for the wrong reason, but ultimately there were people following him and some of them had to leave behind other things. They had to put their trust in what he was saying. They had to follow him. A while ago, my family got to go and go snorkeling down in some of the clear water down south of Florida and stuff like that. And it was fun to, to be able to see some fish. And, and I remember um, swimming out there. We had our snorkels, and these two boys were with me. And, and um, we're swimming along. And uh, we get out to this one little thing, a little floating dock got up there. And, um, and I climbed up, and some of the other people were talking about what they saw in the water, all the fish. And they say, did you see the stingray? <laughs> all of a sudden, we're like, oh, there's a stingray in the water. <laughs> we were a little bit nervous. And, and so after that, we were, we were kind of swimming all over. I said, stay with me, stay with me, don't wander off. And so all of a sudden, as soon as we heard there was a stingray, you know what happened? One of them stayed really close, kind of held on to me the whole time. He's like, don't let me go. I'm going to hold on to you for protection because I don't want to wander off. I don't want to drift away. I don't want to get stung by a stingray. And, and there's this protection that you have whenever you're following someone, even, even with Jesus. They, they almost felt this sense of uh, maybe a protection. They could follow him. They could know him. So are you a follower of Jesus? Do you follow his teachings? Do you do what he says? Do you obey? Do you, you try to have a relationship with him? See, many are fascinated, some follow, but here's the last, the deepest level of commitment. Where Jesus, he sees some of these people and he knows their hearts. And he actually knows their future. And he calls them to not just be a follower, but to be a fisher of men like him. Jesus was constantly preaching and teaching people. And he wanted to share that, that with other people. And he called a few people. Now, some of these men were actual fishermen already. They were already fishing, and so in the Sea of Galilee, this was a, a big lake, 13 miles long by eight, 8 miles wide. And During the first century, there could be as many as 240 boats out on the lake all at the same time. They were just all fishing out here. The lake was filled with tilapia. Sometimes it was called St. Peter's Fish. This is a, a very... Uh, well-known fishing spot. So it would have had lots of fishermen, lots of activity. And Jesus went out there. And apparently he was looking for disciples or he was looking for these specific men. But he sees these men casting their nets in the water. They were busy about what they do. They were just doing what they knew to do. And he, he, he perhaps even sits back and watches for a second, learns more about them. And then he calls out to them. And he, he, he talks to Peter and, 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 and then Andrew, his brother, and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now surely by this time, Peter and Andrew, they knew all about Jesus. They knew what he was about. And they, because immediately it says that they straightway, they left their nets and they followed him. 
Now, this is a deep level of commitment to, to actually turn from your way of making a living to say, I'm going to just follow Jesus with everything I have. Well, they did this. And there were two other fishermen there, two other brothers. They were working in the boat with their, with their father, James and John. They're mending their nets, just working hard. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus calls them and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers. Amen. What is, what is this really talking about? I like to make the joke that Jesus wasn't throwing a fishing pole in the water with a snicker bar on the end. It's not, it's not trying to catch men with, with actual, you know, a, a line or a net. He's, he's pulling people in to the gospel. He's, he's sharing almost more of the net concept, throwing a net out with, with good news saying, listen here, I want to share with you something. And he's pulling people close to, so they can hear the message. And as he shares the message with them, he preaches, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is good news. They've been looking for this, and they've, they've been expecting it. And Jesus is saying, the good news is here. Trust in me. And so they were able to turn and trust him. Now this is a deep level of commitment. You could say that fishing for men is a full-time thing. It's not just a part-time thing. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to you know, kind of do it over here on the side. What Jesus called these disciples to do was a full-time ministry, but I think all of us can, ha- they can, we can all fish for men in our own individual ways. Jesus called a few as disciples and apostles, he called them and sent them out. But perhaps God might even be calling some of you, maybe young people, to, to say, God could use me. You know, I, was, I was in high school when God called me into the ministry, and I, I said, you know, I'm just one person, but I'd love to just share with as many people as I can about Jesus. God called me. He could do the same thing with some of you. He could do the same thing with some of your kids, your grandkids. He could could work in their lives. So Jesus, he calls these men to follow him as fishers of men. So fishing for men, it it expects this full-time commitment to Christ. But I would say just because he called disciples doesn't mean they're the only ones to do it. Each of us can have a fishing pole in our back pocket. We could say, hey, at work, I got, I got, I'm going to share with you something. I want to share with you the good news of what Jesus did for me. We can tell them about Jesus too. Now Jesus, he reaches out with the people who are fascinated and some of them that were following. And he, he calls a few to follow as fishers of men. If you fast forward in the story of Jesus and his disciples, you know the end of the story. If you've read the last few days of Jesus' life on earth, when he was with his disciples and they were eating that last supper, he goes around the table and he's washing their feet. And he went to Peter's feet and he washed his feet. And he's like, you can't do this, Jesus. And there was that little fight there. And, and, and he would have washed Judas's feet too. Do you remember Judas? He, I just want to think about Judas for a second. He, he was with Jesus this whole time. 
throughout all of his earthly ministry. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden at the end, he turns his back on Jesus. It almost seemed like the whole time Judas was just faking it. We see this too, don't we? People who look like they're fascinated in following Jesus. People who look like they might be good Christians on the outside, but they're really just faking it on the inside. They don't really love Jesus. I think all of us, we, we have to even examine our own hearts to see, am I, am I really, truly following Christ? Let's do that even this morning. As we consider what Jesus did. And ask yourself these questions. Are you fascinated? Or have you lost that fascination with Jesus? Are you fascinated with how he saves souls and he, he's going to redeem the world? Are you fascinated with the work that he's doing in the church here? About how he's, 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 he's making his name great all over the world? Are you following him? Are you also fishing for men like Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for how you can work in our lives and even point us to this kind of response. You can, you can show us how we can be followers, how we can turn and trust in you. And Lord, I pray that you might even call some, maybe in this group, maybe friends and children or grandchildren to be fishers of men, to commit their lives, to go and just share the gospel with their lives. I pray that you do a mighty work. In Jesus' name.